0: up everybody it's your host drake foley back again with another episode of the weather or not podcast along with my co-host colin welty
1: thanks for having me again here drake i'm excited to do this podcast with you we got a lot of good topics for today's podcast lots of great topics exactly we'll be talking a lot about storms talking a lot about the storm season that's gonna be happening, and we might even answer a few audience questions off of our Instagram page. So make sure you give us a follow uh, at suscore.wx on Instagram. Um, just type in suscore to any of your local social media platforms. You got Twitter, you got Snapchat. Uh, just look at our link tree and our bio for a lot of stuff. We got we've got
0: stuff everywhere. So just type in suscore and and check us out yeah make sure to turn all those notifications on we'll be coming at you with a lot more content especially now that it's spring the best season for storms especially here in norman oklahoma yes which is the uh i guess heart of tornadoes like Everyone thinks of Oklahoma as the tornado place. Yeah, I
1: think it's just because I mean, you think about what was the last EF five we had? It was in Moore, Oklahoma, which, which is, is about like a 15, fifteen minutes minute drive. From here, yeah. You think about some of the most destructive tornadoes ever. You think about the other Moore, Oklahoma tornado that happened in May of 1999. You think of the El Reno tornado. All of those
0: around the OKC metro. Very dangerous situation there. You know, I talked about earlier, and you know, with some other like fellow meteorology students, and we, I was like. How many tornadoes do you think OKC Metro has? And everybody was like, hoping none. But, I mean, we get about one a year somewhere in the metro area. And just hopefully it's not destructive. I mean, when we took our storm spotting class, we heard that, you know, right around Lake Thunderbird, which is just to the east of us, about 20 minutes, you know, had two tornadoes at the same time. Yeah. And that's just an insane thing to think about because, you know, Norman's... Like, Oklahoma's campus proper has never been hit by a tornado. Yeah, we've been very but lucky. But it's been very close multiple times, and that's just things that we have to worry about on a daily basis living here,
1: especially with, you know, this week. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the weather. I'm assuming, since you guys are listening to the Weather Now podcast, you have some interest. But uh, earlier this week, on Wednesday, uh, places such as Minnesota even saw some brief tornadoes. Uh, luckily, the event didn't get too out of hand, so no major cities were hit. Everyone came out of it perfectly fine, but there were some pretty severe storms in the Iowa um, and Minnesota area. Plus, also on Wednesday evening, there was a lot of storms in Kansas. I saw a funnel cloud about 10.25 p.m. in Kansas. Um, just a lot of severe weather, and, and that was just kind of like the opening uh, event of this next couple of days. We have a lot going on um Thursday uh we were recording this on a Thursday so um no clue what's going to happen tonight i don't not much of anything is supposed to happen but it's looking like Friday and Saturday are going to be the big hitters for this week
0: Yeah i'm looking forward to Friday Saturday and even Sunday Sunday looks severe yeah. for eastern Oklahoma the dfw area um for, tomorrow looks like in the texas panhandle that we're going to get there's already a slight risk there and a 2% tornado probability Sure, you think 2% is high, but that's 2% in just that area. And right. And for, like, you know, we have made, like major cities in there, you know. There's Lubbock, Texas, which I believe hosts Texas Tech. Yep, Yeah. Texas Tech there. So another good meteorology school. Another good meteorology school, and they have lots of, you know, cities there. And the Panhandle, you know, you don't really think about the Panhandle of Texas that much. But once you get into that area, along with western Oklahoma, I mean... It's going to keep coming this way, but having that slight risk already there on a three-day outlook, two-day outlook, knowing that it's going to be there, it could get more severe.
1: Yeah, well, and, and this this event is extremely interesting because the jet stream doesn't look good at all. It's not very conducive for tornadic activity at all. The instability is relatively low. I mean, it's pretty good for March. You know, March is not—you're not going to get 3,000 Cape values very often in March, but— most areas are staying between 1,000 and 1,500 where we're having these storms kind of pop off. But what is kind of associated with this event is extreme wind speeds in the upper levels. I'm talking 92 knots along with the associated front that's going to come through Friday for some areas, Saturday for other areas, and Sunday for some other areas. Um, It's going to be a squall line for sure. You know, you might have the risk of some QLCS tornadoes, but a lot of it really depends on how fast the dry line moves and how fast the cold front moves. If you have the cold front overtaking the dry line, you know, you're know you going to have some issues getting some real good severe activity. But where that 2% tornado risk is for Friday is right on where the triple point is. Um, and I won't get into too much detail about what the triple point is right now. But basically, that's going to be the area that's most conducive for good tornadoes to form. So it's really just... It's just a case of, of what happens, and it's going to be a lot of now-casting. I mean, the SPC is only really putting us in a slight risk, at a lot of places in a slight risk, just because they're really unsure. There's a lot of unsurety. And I don't think there's going to be, you know, some massive EF-4, EF-5 tornado that just rips through parts of of the, the high plains. But, I mean, you can't rule out a tornado here and there, and there's going to be some isolated uh, supercells here and there, I think, as well. It's just, it's all a question of, we're going to have the moisture, but are we going to have the instability, and are we going to have the right wind field at the right time that's going to produce the right tornadoes and the right kind of severe weather for that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, i am looking, been looking at you know, the Storm Prediction Center, what they've been issuing, and we know Friday that western Oklahoma is going to be under a slight risk, and then Saturday that most of the OKC metro, including Oklahoma City, is going to be under a slight risk, and those straight-line winds are nothing to mess with. They can take you off the road, they'll knock down trees. It's going to be like an EF-0 tornado at all times. And being on a a campus with this many trees and cars parked everywhere is going to be dangerous. Mm. And knowing how fast that Norman floods, the flood risk could also be there depending on how long the storm takes to get out. And I believe that there is a discussion of hail risk Mm -hmm. with these storms. And I mean, with any severe storm, you always have your risk of hail but we could see some severe hail up to more than half an inch and that can do a lot of destruction to windows mm-hmm. or property so this is an early season storm that needs to be looked out for especially for damage it won't be the most damaging storm of the season well i can't really predict that yeah, we, have but no clue. we have no clue but this it's going to get a lot worse from here and seeing the early signs that we've had so far shows that this could be a very active season.
1: Yeah, and and something I would just like to point out just in the early part of this podcast, and this goes without saying, um, and this is just something that for all future podcasts, for everything South related we... There's two things I want to touch on here. The first thing, we are not meteorologists. We are studying meteorology, which I am so grateful for, and weather is all of our passion, and we love it, but none of us are trained. I mean, we know intro stuff at this point and we know about or we are very passionate about it and we know how atmospheres work but we are a trained meteorologists. we are what you would call weather enthusiasts at this point who are on our way to hopefully becoming meteorologists but nothing we say is affiliated with the nws none of it is affiliated with any local meteorology um you know tv stations and importantly we are also not affiliated with the university of oklahoma in any way shape or form um, and that just, that's just something that's it's good to, you know, just kind of air out there is, is Even though we're on the campus and we like to talk about stuff happening around campus and we like to share our experiences being students, none of our values or views reflect the university in any way, shape, or form. Uh, nothing we do is sponsored by them. Nothing we do is even in conjunction with them. Everything we do is independent on our own group, uh, completely separate from the university, completely separate from meteorology uh, and from a professional level. Um, and. We are a group of students, but we are a group of independent students when it comes to this kind of stuff.
0: And I want to add to that, all the opinions broadcasted on this platform are ours. Yeah. They're nobody else's, so if you want to, like, go ahead and tell us. Like, if we're wrong, we know we're wrong. It's not that we're not trained to, you know, predict these storms. And that's the hardest part for all meteorologists in, like, the meteorology community in... ...general is that everybody relies on us to predict something unpredictable. Right. And we're not trained to do that. If you want to see someone, you know, give, like, their forecast, go to your, like, local NWS. They have a website. I reiterated this last week. That is the most important thing is that you always look locally. Don't rely on someone like us or somebody who's not a professional meteorologist to tell you the forecast... There is lots of storm chasers out there, storm spotters, and a lot of them have degrees. Those are people that you can listen to, but the people that are... We don't have degrees, so we make our own opinions based off of what we see, and that's not 100% accurate, but we try to give you the best information possible, Uh but always look out for what other people have to say, and then you know rely on your local people they know you a lot better than we
1: do. yeah we we want to get you guys informed on all the cool weather events that we think are going to happen all the speculation that we want to do and all of just our takes on certain events and stuff like that in hopes that you'll check out and keep updated with your local nws and with your local tv meteorologist and with the people who will take you through each of these events that happen you know because sometimes it's hard especially if you're someone who doesn't pay attention to weather all the time to know exactly when events are going to happen you know I, I hear this from all people i know who aren't involved in meteorology that the weather will catch them off guard sometimes you know uh w- severe super weather events like snow uh, all that kind of stuff you people tend to have a grasp that that's going to happen a few days in advance but you know th- there's sometimes where you know people walk outside they had no clue it was going to rain and our, what our goal here is, you know, with the Weather or Not podcast is to make weather entertaining and make it something that you want to listen to so that not only do you keep more engaged with it, but that way you're also more in tune to, to check out the people who get paid to do this stuff. It hopes that one day we're the people who get paid to do this stuff.
0: Yeah, I hope that one day, you know, I can be that person, you know, that gets to talk to all the students, it's kind of like how we've had through our extracurricular activities I want to be one of those successful meteorologists and I know you do too. And that's the thing is a lot of what's representative of you know, meteorology is our broadcast meteorologists. And exactly. I have a lot of love for our broadcast meteorologists. They are very important and they have done a lot for meteorology but at the same time I don't want to be a broadcast meteorologist. Mm-hmm. I mean this is probably the closest I'll ever get to broadcasting but this is important because I like talking about the weather yeah. and I feel like you know, being a meteorologist, not all you hear about is you know your broadcast people talking about it, and I feel like this gives us you know the platform to speak about it. Yeah, and
1: this is a little bit off script, but something I do want to talk about is um, especially because it is Women's History Month, and and it's important to talk about you know especially women in our industry because um, it, it's a really interesting fact twenty nine percent of um, all broadcast meteorologists are female. So that's a staggering number that 71% of broadcast meteorologists are male. And then even less of those women are chief meteorologists. Only 8% of chief meteorologists are female. And so it's one of those things that, like, as we strive for equality, you know, it's how, how do we get more women in STEM programs? How do we get, you know, how do we encourage universities and programs and and women themselves to get involved with stem because i mean at a very early age you know a lot of times it's like you know you kind of like at least this is how it was whenever i was in elementary school and stuff like that there are those kind of preconceived notions that like men are the doctors and the the important people and that kind of stuff and women are less important and they do the the cooking and that kind of stuff and it's like i'm sure it's gotten a lot better since i was in elementary school but i mean it's it's really kind of scary that there's such a large percentage of people in stem that are men and so i hope as we strive to recognize the importance of women in history you know as as we start to realize that a lot of what we were taught in school was from a male perspective and from a patriarchal perspective because you know there's so many women who have done such important things in history and yet so few of those women are actually talked about Um, And so I'm sure that's really discouraging for, you know, a lot of young girls who are looking at potential STEM fields that, you know, they are like, well, you know, most of the people who are setting history stuff are men, so, you know, why should I even bother and stuff like that? But I think it's really important that we just, we highlight where there are still a lot of disparities with, you know, a lot of inequality for women in STEM and, and hopes that it'll shine a light on those issues and hopes that we can encourage these systems to change and to get more women involved in STEM, to get... You know, more broadcast meteorologists as women. Because, you know, something that happens a lot is, you know, for male broadcast meteorologists, they show up in a suit, you know, or they're James Spann and they've got uh, suspenders or stuff like that, but no one ever criticizes the way they dress. But the amount of women who constantly get criticized on the way they look, the way they've done their hair, their makeup for the day, their dress for the day, if they're dressed too nice, if they're dressed not nice enough, if they're dressed, you know, not professionally I guess or you know like whatever someone's like viewpoint is a lot of times women get all the flack for it you know and it's something that like we need to hold people to a higher standard and hold you know viewers to a higher standard that like we shouldn't be so judgmental you know to how women decide they want to dress on a certain day you know they can wear whatever they want you know and I think it's breaking those preconceived notions that women have to dress a specific way and have to have their hair a specific way and have to look, like, you know, caked in, like, seven layers of makeup and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I... that That's one of the ways that it gets really discouraging for women is that, like, you know, they it's such... They get such, you know, prejudice against them in the field.
0: Yeah, I believe that, you know, we need to break... You know, for such a progressive, you know... M- thing that weather is we want to progress past those gender norms you know i feel like meteorology is one of those things where gender does not matter exactly and it's based on you know the person that is giving you the forecast so like when i go on twitter and i see that you know we have our women meteorologists and they will like put out a forecast and say it gets wrong they'll get a lot more criticism from their audience and male audience. And they're like, well, we believe, you know, a male would do so much better. And that's just the thing is that nobody's perfect. And most of the time I feel like every meteorologist is about the same. They don't know what's going to happen. So the fact that, you know, women are treated differently within the meteorology community and looked at as like weather girls and stuff, I don't appreciate. I feel like, some of the best that we have here at Oklahoma and a lot of our friends are females in meteorology, which exactly. is very important because I feel like OU is representing these females a lot better than, you know, I've seen at other schools. Like to see how much of you know, the student you know, population at the school is for, you know, like females that want to do meteorology, it's exciting to see because there's so much potential there.
1: Yeah, and, and like, it's just—there's just so much where women get so much flack for things that should not matter, and it's frustrating. Because, like, I—and, like, gender never matters, honestly, for anything, and no career should gender ever be the thing that's a barrier, Uh, because that's just—that doesn't make sense to me. But, like, I was just looking at a Twitter thread that had happened— um, and someone, uh, Ginger Z had posted something in like 2018, and someone had just commented on it today. And they said, I stopped watching Ginger when she stopped wearing pantyhose and opaque tights. Her style went out the door and her airtime went along with it. You hardly see her anymore. Sorry, Ginger. And she responded, um, you know, that, like, it is like, this has nothing to do with like what i'm wearing like the reason that people are getting less coverage and stuff like that is because we're in a pandemic and we have a lot more issues to cover than you know hurricanes all that kind of stuff and whenever she's on it's only when the weather is really important stuff like that and then someone under that said ginger i feel if a man has to wear a suit and tie then women should dress a bit more professional they should wear as a minimum wear a knee length that bad grammar uh sleeve dress or if women want to wear a sleeveless dress then they should wear a jacket and a hosiery." Shoes should be required as well. Like, no one ever says anything about what a man's wearing. But there's so many people, I mean, every single thing that Gender Z or so many female meteorologists around the world post, there's always some kind of comment on, I wish you would have worn this, your hair looks bad today, your makeup looks bad today, are you tired, all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, no wonder why we have such a small portion of broadcast meteorologists as women because, I mean... That's got to be so mentally draining to deal with, you know, having to worry about what you're going to look like every day because some random person is going to completely, you know, destroy you in the
0: comments. And it's just something that us as a meteorology community need to, you know, work on and be better with. I think that we need to start accepting people, or even outside. I feel like the meteorology community has gotten a lot better about it. There's still those issues there, and, you know, there's issues with a lot of things in the meteorology community, but I feel like as the world has progressed, so has the field. But we need to be better represented and not looked at as, well, you know... When you have your parents or some, like, people in your neighborhood, like, any relatives, they're like, oh, what's the weather going to be like today? Or they'll just ask you these questions, and if you get it wrong, you know, they'll look at you like you don't know what you're doing or say that, um, you know, you're a weather boy or, ooh, like, hey, weather girl, like, stuff like that, you know, it's... Something that, like, the outside looking at us, you know, they're like, oh, it's the only job you can be wrong 80% of the time and still keep your job. Right. And it's just the community itself has been clouded with hate from the outside, and that's something that, you know, I hope gets better a long time. I guess it it comes with so many people, like, especially, I feel like, lately with the snowcasts and, yeah. like, last month we were looking at some people were forecasting up to a foot of snow, and when it was wrong... Everybody came after, you know, meteorologists for it and said, mm-hmm. well, you lied to us. No, they didn't lie to you. They made a forecast based on the information they had, looking at all the models. It takes so much research to just make a semi-accurate forecast, and no forecast is ever completely accurate.
1: Exactly. And and one of our audience questions, which I'll just answer this right now, is, is what is one thing about meteorologists that seems to be kind of like people don't really understand, or that is frustrating, or is really difficult for meteorologists? And at least in my opinion, it is dealing with a lot of uneducated public and dealing with a lot of people who don't understand what meteorologists have to do to come up with their forecasts. And like one of the things that really always bothers me is during tornado events or during extreme severe weather events, that has to take priority to save people's lives. So you'll be watching a show, and then everything's cut, and then it goes to your local newscast or something like that. And, like, I'll use Pete Delkis as an example here. He is the uh, meteorologist for WFAA Channel 8 and DFW. But the amount of times that people badmouth him or tweet at him just these nasty things because he interrupted their run of The Bachelorette or, you know, the Week 15 Broncos-Ravens game that was playing on whatever channel, you know, and everyone gets really really upset about it and they're like i can't believe you're wasting our time the tornado is not going to hit me like they're completely missing the point that you have to do that to save lives and i think the hardest thing at least that i've just seen that a lot of people don't talk about is just the mental health that a lot of meteorologists have to go through with constant criticism because you know forecasting the weather is like predicting the future you're never going to get it right occasionally especially the data you're given like i can pretty confidently say like hey tomorrow um like tomorrow the stock market will be open you know like that's okay that's a, yeah I'm, I'm not predicting the future here that's just my best guess but if i was to tell you what the top stock was going to be 10 days from now or even you know 10 years from now i'd probably be wrong i I would not know and it, i could get lucky make a lucky guess but it it would be way too difficult predicting the weather is kind of the same thing you can have indicators of what's going to happen but you never really know what's going to happen until it's happening right then and there. And so meteorologists more than often are not, they're not going to be wrong, but they're not going to be 100% correct. And most people view 100%, like 90% correct as wrong.
0: Yeah, and like, I liked that question from, you know, our audience member that asked about that. You know, being in meteorology is one of the most difficult jobs you could have because your job is, you know, always being you looked at by the public you are a public figure so anytime you get something wrong you'll get bashed for it just like colin was saying you always have these difficulties just trying to do your job and i feel like no other job you know that's so publicly broadcasted gets headed on more than not even just meteorologists you have your newscasters anyone that's in that field you know just because they like they get their most accurate information they can get They can't predict that, you know, a story will change or that a storm will change direction. Like, you'll have a good idea from your your storm prediction center. Like, hey, this area is at a higher risk for storms. With that information, you want to make a forecast and, you know, warn those people. And the thing is, is something that, like, I really like that, you know, meteorologist James Spann has said is respect the polygon. When you have these tornado warnings or these watches, if it includes your area, you're under a risk. Don't say, well, I can't see it. There's nothing there. There could be. It could be right on top of you and you can't even see it. Exactly. Always take cover. Tornadoes can drop out of air, dissipate, and reform. And we've seen that so many times and so many lives are lost because people don't listen. And they are like, well, he could be wrong. Sure, you know, you didn't... You're, you're so excited for tornadoes. And even this comes from some chasers. They'll go, like, oh, today was a bust. Something happened today. I mean, there was a storm. Like, lightning kills people, too. Anything, like, flooding kills people. I'm pretty sure flooding is, like, one of the... Like, the worst natural disasters. Yeah, you it's, know. it's
1: damaging. Because, I mean, it has both economic and capital for, you know, humans as well. Like, I mean, all of that is, is torn apart.
0: Yeah. I just... Don't think that I feel like everybody's like, oh well, storm chasing has gotten very popular ever since, you know, the movie Twister came out, you know. Yeah. Everybody's like, Well, I want to be a storm chaser. And the thing is is when people, you know, go outside to look at storms and stuff, and I mean like I I like doing it, like, you know, us as a weather team, we'd love to, you know, go watch storms and stuff. But the thing is is even if there's not a tornado chance, but we think there's gonna be some very photogenic storms or some lightning, hey, we all love lightning. We will go out and go see it. The thing is, is a lot of chasers want to see tornadoes, and then when they don't see a tornado, they treat it as if, oh, well, today was not worth anything. Well, meanwhile, those meteorologists that have spent, you know, the whole week ahead, even weeks ahead, knowing that something would happen and trying to warn everybody and trying to, you know, make their best predictions, if something doesn't happen, they'll be like, oh, well, you lied to us, and I feel like that's one yeah, of Yeah, it, is- like,
1: it's not a thing of lying. It's just a thing of... We only have so much information. You know, um, we have a bunch of surface observations, but in terms of boundary layer level observations and even higher observations, they're so far and few between in the United States. And it's like, it's hard for us to have extremely accurate data and stuff like that. So that's why model runs tend to be different and stuff like that. And that's why meteorologists tend to not be completely 100% accurate all the time. And, and I just, you know, I wanted to highlight that because I think that's really important for people, especially listening to this podcast to understand is that like meteorologists are very well trained years and years of schooling with high math classes high physics classes all this stuff to understand the atmosphere as best as we can and there's still so much we just don't know and that's also why i want to touch on the women and meteorology because all of those things those are all you know issues that all meteorologists face and stuff like that that can be taxing but you know imagine having that and then also having all the prejudice coming from the way you look and and i i mean there's a a long time like a standard in the industry that you know women weren't even necessarily picked in meteorology based off of their abilities they're like picked based off the way they looked in front of the camera you know based on their face and stuff like that and it's just that it's important to like understand during women's history month that not only are we looking at women's history and and the history of women on our country or in our country and in the world and their impacts on society it's also looking at how history has continued to oppress women and continue to put their voices down and make sure that we don't let that part of history repeat and allow women to like not allow but like um, make sure and and guarantee that everyone regardless of you know, their gender has an equal opportunity to change the world and make their own history
0: and that's very important I really like the concept there. You know, we want to see their impact on history, but, you know, also talk about, you know, what they're going to make in the future to, you know, make these improvements in meteorology. And right now, they're making some of the biggest improvements in meteorology, and it's really exciting to see. And I know that Women's History Month is just a month, and right now we're focusing on them, but we need to focus all the time on how much they've changed meteorology for the better
1: right exactly and yeah it's something that is very exciting to see more women representation and um speaking of things that are exciting to see uh a good question that i i I think that would be really cool to hear you answer is like what would be your dream weather event you know like I mean, there's so many things that have happened in the past year. I mean, we had the great snowstorm here. I mean, I don't know if if you've seen what's going to happen in Boulder, Colorado, and Denver, Colorado, with how much snow they're going to get over the weekend. I mean, I saw some forecasts that had up to 60 inches of snow in the span of 48 hours for Boulder, Colorado, which is just absolutely insane. That's one of those, those, like, once-in-a-lifetime type events. And, you know, you have all these specific tornadoes and that kind of stuff. But, like, if you had to... To
0: say what your dream weather event would be what would it be well so i'm like you know everybody expects me to like say like oh a tornado or something but like you know you can always see a tornado but it's not every day you know even like recently in iowa you know you have the derechos and stuff and it's crazy i really want to see like not that i want a derecho to happen but like i like those wind events but they have you know the squall lines and Just beautiful shelf clouds. And I just want to see that. That sounds really interesting to me. But something I like. That's We've got to see a little bit of it in Norman. But just a really, really nice lightning event. But I want to see, you know, branch out everywhere. You know, like I've seen some videos online. Like lightning hitting each other. I love those lightning storms. And, you know, I like seeing like perfect supercells. Like my dream weather event would really just be like not a severe weather outbreak but like hey like a storm out in a field you know with some beautiful lightning you know photogenic beautiful updraft you know that or i guess you know oh cool like you know a hurricane would be nice to you know live (laughs) through too i know our
1: florida friends would like that exactly and our houston friends as well yeah mine's an interesting thing because in my opinion like my dream weather event is the one that is the most historic and the most unique that also hurts no one you know and that, that's something that's really difficult because as weather enthusiasts we are so into those special weather events like ef5 tornadoes but the thing about an ef5 tornado is it's only an ef5 tornado if it creates ef5 damage and that's the thing about like el reno el reno was like one of the strongest tornadoes it might be the strongest tornado ever recorded in the united states yet it only hit open fields so it's only classified as an ef3 So a lot of people who wish for EF5 tornadoes, it's kind of a double-edged sword, because as cool as that would be, you're also wishing for EF5 damage, which almost always results in injuries, casualties, loss of damage, uh, lots of money lost. And so, it's hard, and the thing about that is, like, I think about the snowstorm that just came through, and, like i absolutely loved the snowstorm. i thought it was amazing i love seeing 10 inches of snow but what i didn't love seeing was texas losing its power what i didn't love seeing was all the homeless who were completely you know hurt by it i seeing the people who died as a result of the of hypothermia because of the loss of power and it's so it's just my dream weather scenario honestly probably takes place in an open field in oklahoma maybe an open field in kansas and it's the world's largest supercell ever just massive it's green it's blue it, it just looks so cool and so much lightning happens you know probably about 4 p.m at night and then at night sorry in the afternoon and this massive tornado comes down and it's textbook it's beautiful it spins around in a field maybe hits like a tree line enough to cause like severe tree damage Let's say it hits an abandoned car on the side of the road that no one is going to drive and just destroys it so much that it's like, okay, yeah, that's damage and stuff like that. And then before it gets to anyone's home, anyone's civilization, it just rides back up. And then behind it is such a sharp cold front that another supercell kind of happens behind it, except it's below freezing. So it's thunder snow. Mm. And then you get blanketed with six to eight inches of pure, fluffy... White snow, no power outages. Everyone loves it. Everyone gets to have a couple of days off from work. Everyone gets to enjoy it, and then you return back to normal. And that right there would be my dream weather event because it'd be, you know, a historic tornado immediately followed by a historic blizzard.
0: That sounds like really cool. And I didn't really think of that. I was all thinking of stuff that you know it's not hypothetical, but hypothetically speaking, yeah, that well, is that's, that's really why it's cool. A dream weather. That is a dream. And, I mean, if we're going to go with that, then, you know, I, I want to see, like, a really cool dust storm that just doesn't affect anybody. Because I like seeing all those pictures of, like, you know, the dust storms from far away. It just looks, it just looks like a giant it just tsunami coming towards you. Everyone you know? just,
1: like, continues on their day. Like, if you see dust, no, you don't.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like those really photogenic things. And I guess it's because, you know, I've always, like, you know, looked at the storms. And there's so much stuff that I, you know wish i could have seen that you know i've missed out on but being a meteorologist well being a meteorologist is my dream but you know also being in the position i am now learning about it is even better than you know just going out and looking at it like i know that's what influenced all of us but once you really know about it it makes it even cooler that's
1: one of my favorite things about being in weather classes like this happened in my programming class that i was at yesterday We spent the first 15, 20 minutes learning about programming and learning how to code. I forget we were coding specifically. I think we were uh, dealing with CSV files and Python. Um, But then we just started talking about the tornado watch and the tornado warning that was happening in Minnesota right at that time. And so that's what's really cool to me is you always have this changing atmosphere and you always have these real-life events you can apply immediately. I mean, I remember in our intro to meteorology class, one of the first things we did was talk about the impending Hurricane Laura. And every day we'd get, you know, like our professor's thoughts on it and what she thought was going to happen. She wasn't sure, you know, we had a hurricane watch party, you know, just to see it make landfall. But it's like, it's one of those things that I just absolutely adore about taking weather classes is you learn about something and then you get to see it applied in real life and you get to understand more about it. And it's like, you know, a lot of times, like, you'll take a math class, and you'll be like, how in the world am I going to use this in the real life? You will take a chemistry class, and you're like, I'm never going to need this in real life. But since I'm in meteorology, I take a meteorology class, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can use this in real life. And that's what I also love about meteorology is everyone can do that. You know, like, that's why I urge people to take storm spotter classes or, or take local weather classes, you know, because, I mean, the National Weather Service is, the National Weather Service holds some stuff you know, almost every month, especially in your areas, where, you know, they'll, they'll do like an intro thing, or they'll have someone speak, or they'll have, you know, a skywarn training or something like that, and even if you don't know anything about weather, you can go there, you can see some cool things, and you can learn and it'll help keep your community safe if you're knowledgeable, because the greatest power that we have as humans is our power of knowledge and the more that we know about the world that ravages us every single day, the smarter we are as a species and the more prepared we can be. You know, there's a reason that on average tornado deaths have decreased every single year. And it's because we are educated more and more on the weather and we can help people get safe. And the same thing happens with hurricanes. I mean, we have had hurricanes that are worse than the 1900 uh, hurricane that hit Galveston. But we haven't seen anything like that death toll, you know, in the last 50 years. You know, and as we become more knowledgeable, we become more safe. And it's just something that I absolutely adore about weather and about taking my meteorology classes is getting to know what keeps people safe.
0: Yeah, and I just think that it's, you know, important that we have, you know, I've, we've talked about history a couple times here. Weather has became, like, so, you know, important to us, you know, Everybody, Because, you know, your Especially day changes. Climate change. Like, day, cha- your day changes based on, you know, what weather it is. Like, you know, you wake up on a Monday. People already don't like Mondays. Well, you know, it's a gloomy Monday, you know, 50 degrees, rainy, you know. It's not an amazing day, but, you know, next day. It's, uh, you know, your Fridays, you know. You go outside, sunny, nice breeze, perfect day, you know. It's days like that that can influence you and then if also you get off of just that meteorology is more than just radar and broadcast meteorologists work for airline companies meteorologists work for amazon fedex all these jobs are out there for meteorology majors and just meteorologists in general that influence your daily life more than you actually think it does that amazon package that you got on your two-day shipping had to be looked at by a meteorologist who said, you need to take this around in order to effectively get it to them in time.
1: Right, and there, there's so many applications, you know, for them. And, like, you know, just, like, this is a rhetorical question for everyone, like, watching this or listening to this. Um, how many times have you had a plan that's been canceled because of weather? How many times have you had a flight that got delayed because of weather? How many times have you been trying to plan your family picnic? And, you know, you, you go and you're like, oh, Saturday looks great, and it's a few days out. And then you get to the day before and there's suddenly a 40% chance of rain and then it rains all day and you're like where did this come from and there are so many meteorologists who work on these things to make it more accurate you know there's so many research meteorologists who are always trying to find new ways to make weather more accurate so maybe you know about the weather more in advance and you won't have to cancel those planes at all as often and that's why there are those airline meteorologists to make sure that a flight can actually get out of its location and be safe and stuff like that and so flights are prepared to de-ice Um, and to potentially cancel their flights or delay their flights. You know, like, there's so many disciplines of meteorology and everything is affected by the weather. You know, there's a reason that some of the greatest crises in our nation's history, Hurricane Katrina, wildfires, um, you know, historic snowstorms, are all affected by weather and are all products of droughts or anti-droughts or, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's just, I'm glad that, you know, we have people that know how to do this. And I'm glad that we're learning this because, you know, I want to be that person that saves people. And I feel like meteorologists are heroes that go unrecognized a lot of the
1: time. Yeah, that's very true. And,
0: like, some of our biggest, like, we always have these public figures. You know, you have your Jim Cantoris who, he's out there saving lives. Even if you don't think it. you, are like, oh, he's just doing this for show. He, he's put in a lot of dedication to you know learn all about weather and be out there to prepare us for you know events like what's going on now you know with all these storms and sure you see him a lot more during you know hurricane season yeah i mean that's what he's known for you know and thundersnow but we're not going to get started on the Thunder Snow. I love Thunder Snow. I love Thunder Snow too, but <laughs> we're going to be stuck here for hours if we talk yeah, about
1: it. Yeah, I mean, it. you said it best. There's just there's so many people in meteorology who are kind of heroes and stuff like that. And, like, we could probably spend another ten minutes naming all the important figures and stuff like that. All the people that, you know, everyone seems to know. But there's so many unsung heroes in meteorology. And I, I think, you know, the people who write the um, the... the the spc outlooks and the forecast on the nws's pages and the people who are programming all these computer models to get us better data and stuff like that these are the people that fly under their radar but they're the people who really make the most impact a lot of the time and and so i think everyone in meteorology is extremely important everyone should be hailed for their work and i'm really excited to see how
0: the the industry
1: progresses moving forward
0: yeah so, you know, before we're done with this, we have two more questions from the audience that, you know, we want to answer. I'll try my best to answer some of them. And, I, I mean, I will, too. I oh, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like We're going together to do it. Yeah, um, we so are a team. why does the sky turn gray when it's stormy? So, this is an excellent question.
1: Um, normally, clouds, if you look at them, they're white, and they're very, very thin. You know, a lot of people think that, like, you can stand on a cloud or something like that, but if you've ever been in an airplane... Airplanes have no problem just slicing right through clouds whenever they, whenever they take off and whenever they're in that part of the atmosphere. So clouds are very, very thin. But what causes rain to happen and precipitation to happen is you get all these water droplets and they will find something to condense on and they will find something to latch onto, And so then you end up getting a lot more particles. And the way light works, the more transparent something is, the, the thinner it is and the less particles that are in there so as more particles start to be in this cloud the cloud gets heavier the cloud lowers um, and then the cloud becomes more opaque less light is able to go through it so that's why if you look at the bottom of a cloud it's dark if you were to look at a supercell from the top it's fluffy white because it's not very it's still pretty thin up there and light is able to hit it and bounce right off Um, but if you look at the bottom of a cloud so much light is absorbed that you barely see any color coming off of it it's very dark and that's how you can tell the stronger the storm is the darker the storm is so if you look outside it's, it's relatively gray that means it's overcast there's a lot of moisture in the cloud but it's not actually going to rain but if it starts to get darker or it's a very sunny day and you see this really dark cloud coming over it means that not a lot of light is getting able is able to get through it and thus it's it's a rain cloud
0: yeah it's a <laughs> rain cloud. um and then our last question comes from a viewer asking does the Bermuda Triangle have anything to do with weather? And in the short answer, the answer is no. no. Uh, not to, you know. And whatever. the long
1: answer is still no. I, I don't know. I, that's just a conspiracy theory. I mean, okay. The Bermuda Triangle is wholly over the uh, Atlantic Ocean and oceans are known for having a lot of storms that just pop up here and there um, because it's just a whole body of water with a lot of heat coming out to it not much to break the heat. Uh, from evaporating and stuff like that so you do get a lot of storms there it's just a conspiracy really the the Bermuda Triangle itself doesn't really exist and so the weather there is no different than the weather a few miles south of it a few miles north of it and over the whole of the Atlantic Ocean Uh, so I mean while there are people who disappeared likely to weather events like potentially Amelia Earhart and other um, planes that have been lost over there The weather there is no different than it would be if you're flying over the Pacific, or flying over the Indian Ocean, or just about anywhere that gets a lot of convective supercells and convective cells like the Atlantic Ocean does.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, it's a conspiracy, which there's a lot of conspiracies in weather, and I'm sure eventually... Well, you know, we'll have weather conspiracies on the podcast. I don't yeah. know if that's, you know, going to be a thing. But it'd be interesting to talk about. But um,
1: if you ever hear anything about solid clouds, please keep listening. I yeah. promise it's interesting. Trust
0: me. We have we have a friend that has solid cloud theory, and it's pretty interesting. Maybe we'll get him on one day, and he can yeah. talk about it. But other than that, uh, I don't really have anything else really to talk about. Yeah, got but, anything, Colin?
1: No, I mean, I just... Again, we're going to plug Suscore. You know, we are uh a, a team of students and we appreciate all support possible and the important thing is you know we're not in this to get popular or anything like that we're just here because we like having fun and it's important to share that with you guys so uh, obviously if you found this podcast you probably know our name and probably know our social media so just go ahead and give us a follow and we appreciate all the support you can give us
0: yep and uh, that's all today for the weather or not podcast i'm your host drake foley
1: and i am colin welty
0: And we are out. See you later.